What's going on, YouTube? Welcome to the Dose Media Network YouTube channel. I'm Ben Hover, joined by Joey Carrion. Today, giving a little special look here at the three-game main slate on Saturday. Always love when we get a little short slate this time of year. Yeah, I mean, we had the Thanksgiving slate. Had a good sweat there. Could have won a tournament. Um, just brings up so much PTSD, so much pain. Hunter Henry overturned touchdown away from banking my first ever tournament on that Thanksgiving slate. And these short slates are really what I'm best at in terms of DFS. I'm, I'm good in cash. I'm decent in regular tournaments, but I, I get, I get good reads on these short slates. So I'm excited for the Saturday slate. We'll have another one on Christmas, uh, which is in a week or so. So happy holidays to everybody watching and, you know, let's get right into the slate. Let's get into it. We can go game by game here. And I think that this first game, which kicks off at 1 p.m. Eastern between the Colts and Vikings, Vikings host Indianapolis. I think this is going to be the most popular game of the slate, right? It's got the best total 48 and a half right now. Vikings are four and a half point favorites. Mm-hmm. Going to be a lot of popular options in this game here. Yeah, I mean, this game has, like you said, the highest total on the entire slate. It is the early game, so we have some strategy involved that we can implement. You know, if we play the chalk early and the chalk fails, then we know that we have to get a little bit more contrarian with our decisions and our late swaps come the 4 o'clock and the 8 o'clock window. And short slates are just set up to be a game theory slate, right? Right. Like you need to be on your phone, unfortunately, or at your computer making swaps and adjusting your tournament lineups, especially if you want to bank, because we get information after every game and a lot of chalk players are going to be in this game. So looking at the quarterback position, Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan, I don't think are going to be too chalky, but I think they'll be up there in terms of ownership. I could see Kirk being the second or third highest owned quarterback on this slate. Maybe Matt Ryan gets steamed, you know, in the best possible matchup of any quarterback on this slate. Um, But it's really the skill players that are going to be the talk of the town with this early game. And a lot of these guys are going to come in as some of the highest owned players on the slate. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what projections end up with in terms of Matt Ryan's ownership, because I think that this is a really great spot. It is literally the best matchup for an opposing yeah. quarterback and and the wide receivers set up really well. We'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, I think Matt Ryan doubles are super interesting at 5200 and all of his pass catchers are underpriced. So it really lets you fit in anything that you could possibly want to jam in if you rock a Matt Ryan double. I probably wouldn't play into it if it was like very highly owned, but if it's like, you know, a contrarian way to go about things, I think it's, it's a really strong way to start lineups off. Um, You know, Kirk, I'm not too crazy about this week. I don't know how you feel about the Vikings passing attack. Obviously they have players, you know, Justin Jefferson is a guy whose matchup doesn't matter. He's just so elite, but the Colts are very, very good at, you know, limiting opposing wide receivers. So you know, if you're not playing JJ and JJ is not going nuclear, even if he has a, a middle tier game by his standards, I think it's hard for Kirk to get there without Justin Jefferson hitting in an absolute ceiling type of manner. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it still is Justin Jefferson, right? Like matchup and defense doesn't really matter when talking about Justin Jefferson. He's one of, 
if not the best wide receiver in the NFL. You know, he could potentially be the first wide receiver to, you know, accumulate 2,000 receiving yards. Um, So I'm not too concerned about that, but the matchup is tough, and I think you can get away with a fade on Justin Jefferson on the slate, especially as 9,100, one of the most expensive players on the slate. When, in all honesty, like, we don't have that much good value. Like, there are some value guys, but a lot of the chalk is going to be, you know, these high-priced running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Delvin Cook, um, and then people are probably going to just try and jam in some of these value-wide receivers, Michael Pittman, um, and then if we're looking at some of the other games like Diggs and uh, the Dolphins guys. So Justin Jefferson isn't going to be too high-owned on this slate, in my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but I don't think he will be. Um, probably a good contrarian piece if he's low-owned, but if he's chalk, uh, I'll full-fade Justin Jefferson for sure. Yeah, now you know who you can't full-fade at the wide receiver position is Michael Pittman. I mean, 5,800 in the absolute not matchup. I really don't know what DraftKings was thinking with this price tag. I mean, just an absolute egregious price tag, uh, to be quite honest. I mean, he's been at 61, 6,300, somewhere in that range, as you could see on the screen for the last month or so of the season. But prior to that, he was like a 7K wide receiver, obviously hasn't had the best season, um, hasn't scored as many touchdowns as we had hoped coming into the year, but this is the best possible matchup for opposing wide receivers. And I think this is as good of a game as any for Michael Pittman to hit his ceiling. He's projected as the second best value at wide receiver on the entire slate, and he's going to be super chalky, but I think Pittman is a player that I'd like to play even if he's pretty high owned. And I I think you could get some contrarian pieces around him especially if you go with the Colts side of stuff, Uh, JT and Pittman both should be, you know, tier one chalk. Easiest way to get leverage on that is playing Matt Ryan doubles, eat into the Pittman chalk, play a contrarian piece in Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce, or one of the tight ends. So I I think I like going that route. No, I I definitely like that as well. I mean, I kind of have like this feeling in my gut that Alec Pierce is the play. Like we know, Every single one of these short slates, it's a cheap wide receiver that ends up going off. Pierce fits the build. You know, he's a rookie. He hasn't really been, you know, at the forefront in terms of like the way we look at rookies emerging at this time of the year. You know, all the talk has been Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, you know, even a little bit of George Pickens talk out there. But Pierce has had a quietly good season. He has over 500 yards as a rookie. You know, he makes big plays. He's got a couple of boom weeks in his uh his game log there his best game of the season came last week four for 86 and one 18 points on DraftKings. i love this spot for for alec pierce and i don't think that he gets played just because of the name value and the fact that he hasn't been consistent in in really any sense of the word so i mean alec pierce 3900 i'm gonna love to uh go that route in tournaments as sort of you know either a contrarian piece like you said to matt ryan doubles or just as like a one-off uh you know get some information early if your contrarian piece hits you can maybe play into some chalk later yep totally totally agree i think the cheap colts guys are definitely interesting um you you know you got the cheap wide receivers in paris campbell and alec pierce i want to see which one is you know going to be higher owned like if it's paris campbell then i'd play alec pierce and just kind of fade you know that secondary chalk colts 
player, but if Alec Pierce turns out to be like the the guy that gets steamed as the cheap Colts option, then I would just pivot to Paris Campbell. I think both players have similar ceilings and you know similar upsides at this point. Maybe Paris Campbell's is a little bit higher, uh, but I definitely don't mind him. I think the tight ends are interesting. You know, you have Kylan Granson twenty eight, Jelani Woods twenty seven hundred. I think both of those guys could be in GBP consideration. Um, I think Jelani Woods is like the athletic tight end that you want to bet on, but the role is obviously terrible with Granson being the tight end one there. Um, but I mean, we, we talked about Jelani Woods like way back when in August and yeah, that was your boy. You called yeah. that. I mean, and, how, how did that feel? You know, calling that in like, I want to say May or June, it was like early summer when you, you were on the Jelani Woods bandwagon and then he absolutely pops off a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, he's had he's had good, you know, weeks like 17, 10, 15, and he's an athletic tight end and he's 2,700. Um, so if he sees the field a little bit more in this spot, a game in which I think that the Colts could go a little bit more pass heavy, you know, barring because of the matchup, 2,700 Jelani Woods. I mean, I've made worse plays than that. I mean, I make worse plays than that every single week, legitimately. Yeah. Um, the running backs in this game are going to be very highly owned. I think, I think that they'll probably be two of the three highest owned running backs on this slate. You know, Jonathan Taylor projecting out of this world right now. I mean, the projections absolutely love him at 7,200. I feel like if he ends up being like the chalkiest player on the slate, I would definitely look to get away from him in tournaments. I mean, We'll get to some of the other running backs from the other games later, but I think that you can definitely get away from JT if he ends up being, you know, massive, you know, unworldly highest, highest on player on the slate. Dalvin Cook is a little bit harder, I think, because he probably won't come in super, super high on because, you know, he just hasn't been that productive lately. Like he's been okay, but we haven't really seen too many ceiling games. I mean, we talked about this on a recent episode that Dalvin Cook, like, where's the 30 balls? Like, I just haven't seen them, but if there was a spot and the Colts are limiting, you know, the production of the wide receivers here, it could set up very well for a Dalvin cook game. I feel more inclined to go cook over JT here, but uh, that's more of a tournament take. I think in cash, you just roll JT and you don't think twice. Yeah. I mean, if you are playing cash on this three game slate, you're playing both JT Mm -hmm. and cook. I mean, cook is just too cheap. He's underpriced for his talent in this role. And in terms of the Colts, versus running backs, they are the third worst team against opposing running backs. So Delvin Cook is obviously in a smash spot. Jonathan Taylor has an elite role right now. As you can see on the screen, four targets in three straight games, 20-plus touches guaranteed, touchdown upside extremely high with Jonathan Taylor as always. So in cash, you're playing both 100% um, just because the running back pool is horrendous this week. And I don't think you can full fade either of these guys in tournaments. <clears throat> but I do think, depending on your lineup construction, you could definitely fade one or the other. So, you know, if I'm playing Matt Ryan doubles, I'm fading Jonathan Taylor, playing Delvin Cook on the bring back, vice versa. Um, but not playing either, those lineups are going to be very unique. I don't think a lot of people are going to play lineups that don't include one of these two running backs. Yeah, no, certainly a way to get contrarian. And and I mean, we'll get to like the Dolphins stuff later, but I mean, Raheem Mostert sets up really well this week. And I mean, maybe if you, 
you know, want to get wild. Obviously, Nick Chubb has access to a massive ceiling. We just saw J.K. Dobbins put up a big game. Like, there's there's ways you can go and talk yourself into a scenario where, you know, you can build a winning team without them. I mean, it would be super contrarian. You'd be defying the projections, but anything is possible on a three-game slate. I think that these are the slates where you can feel the most comfortable getting away from the projections and just making mm-hmm. calls based on lineup construction and ownership. Um yeah, no, absolutely. On on a three game slate, like I'm referencing projections, but I'm not looking at them too closely or following them like gospel. I mean, this is a slate where you know if you have a good feel for DFS, you should be able to profit pretty easily. And um, it's it's really all about lineup construction and game theory on these three game slates. And like I said, you just have to be you know kind of paying attention towards the end of the games um, in terms of what you need to do. For the later games. So, for tournaments, I'm assuming Alec Pierce is your call. Alec Pierce game. is my call. And and you kind of talked me into the Jelani stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, low floor, pretty decent ceiling um, for Jelani Woods. And it's just on this slate, there's not many tight ends that can separate from the field. I mean, we have Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson, and we're going to touch on this Ravens game here in a minute but you know potentially down their their top two quarterbacks the Ravens are I mean that just does not bode well for Mark Andrews so this is a slate where if you pay down the tight end um and they score like 10 points and the top two guys don't separate in a meaningful way like you're gonna need that cheap tight end that that scores eight to ten points yeah no I mean couldn't agree more speaking of feel for DFS and, and short slates and defying projections, man, that is the story of game number two here. And, and you know, I, I feel like this is the game to target and I, I think it'll be the least popular of the three. Maybe that's why I like it from a tournament perspective. We have the Browns hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Browns are two and a half point favorites slate low total of 37 and a half. I think this is, I think this is the Deshaun Watson game. Man, I think that this is where he, it all comes together for him. You know, obviously we can explain away the first game. You know, he hadn't played in 700 days, almost two full seasons. You know, started to look a little better last week. Wasn't really, you know, getting the touchdowns, but at least looked like a more competent NFL quarterback. Like we saw shades of old Deshaun Watson there. I think that three weeks in, we can finally start to see this thing manifest. And it's a good matchup for it, frankly. Like the Baltimore Ravens, are a pass funnel defense. They have an elite rush defense. They've they've allowed the second least rushing yards per game to opposing backs. I think that they have a really good shot at limiting (laughs) what Nick Chubb does on the ground. And if the Cleveland Browns want to find success, I think it'll be through the air, through the passing attack. There were quotes from the Browns offensive coordinator this week that in these next coming games, the plan is to start pushing things more downfield to start utilizing Deshaun Watson's deep passing abilities. And I think that we see that in prime time in this game. I, I really love Watson, man. Projections don't like him. You know, 6,300 correlates really well with Amari Cooper. I don't think that he'll be very owned. Amari Cooper has a long history of smashing these small slates. If you recall, you know, the old Thanksgiving slates. I mean, there was one where Amari Cooper went absolutely nuclear. I think that we could see something similar this week. I, I really love the brown side of the ball here. Yeah, no, I, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, over the course of the season, the Ravens haven't been horrible against opposing quarterbacks, but they've also kind of had a little bit of an easier schedule just in terms of quarterback play. 
So wouldn't really read too much into that. This is probably one of the better quarterbacks that they will face uh, this season and for the rest of the year in Deshaun Watson. And obviously projections don't love this game at all. It has the lowest total on the slate. The Ravens, like I uh, mentioned a little bit ago, that they might be down Lamar and Tyler Huntley in this game, which, I mean, the, the Browns should win pretty easily if the Ravens are down their top two quarterbacks and have to roll out Anthony Brown as a starter, right? Um, so does that limit the ceiling of the Brown stuff if the Ravens aren't able to put up a fight is really my question. Yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely does. It caps the shootout potential of this game. I think there are concerns, though, in you know the, the third game that we'll talk about, about the shootout potential because of that game environment. You know, I think that the Browns want to make a statement here right? Like this will be a primetime game. It'll be the first time that, you know, Deshaun Watson is getting national attention. I mean, obviously there's been national attention on this story, but it'll be the first time that, you know, he's on a national stage. You know, these have been buried in the one o'clock window, these games, they've also been two road games. So this will be Deshaun Watson's first time playing at home for the Cleveland Browns as a starter. I think it's a huge spot for this franchise, honestly, and, and the direction that, they want to, you know, set themselves up to be in going forward. I think that if they are finding success in the passing game, that they won't be afraid to pile on points. And, you know, Watson was close to a big game last week. He threw the ball 42 times. He was like less than 25 yards short of the bonus. He's had six and a half rushing attempts average through the first two games. He's adding something on the ground. There is definitely a ceiling there for Deshaun Watson. I think the floor is low. Absolutely. You know, the Ravens do have a good defense, but if things break right and on a three game slate, you can embrace more fragility. I think it makes a ton of sense. We've seen big games out of Cooper. We've seen big games out of DPJ. We've seen big games out of David and Joku. Like all the pieces are there for this to work out. Wouldn't play this probably on a main slate, but on a three game slate. Come on. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. I think Watson obviously has to shake off the rust of not playing in an NFL game for however many, you know, days he missed what, like 700 or or something crazy like that. So two games in, this will be his third game. Like you said, first start at home against a defense that is very beatable with hopefully all of his skill players. I mean, Amari Cooper and Cooper, Amari Cooper and David Njoku are both questionable for this game. Um, So we'll have to see about those injuries, but I think both of them will most likely play. So he'll have a full complement of weapons. And I mean, quite frankly, from a slate perspective, I think he's really only competing with like Josh Allen, right? As a potential quarterback that can separate. Um, Maybe Tua can, but we're going to talk about that in the game environment. And I mean, the Dolphins team total is horrible, right? So, Vegas isn't high on the Dolphins this week. Um, They're not relatively high on the Browns either, but Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than Tua, period. And I think that at 6,300, when you're comparing him to the other quarterbacks, in my opinion, like I'm playing him over Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins and, and Tua and the Ravens quarterbacks, whoever starts, Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown, most likely one of those guys are going to start. I mean, he's just a better play, uh, no matter what projections say, in my opinion. Yep. No, I couldn't agree more. I'll definitely have a ton of exposure 
to this game. I like all the pass catchers on the Brown side of the ball. Um, I mean, Nick Chubb, that, that's kind of a decision point on the slate. 7,400, he's the highest priced running back on the slate, not projecting well. Like I said, Ravens have an elite rush defense. Like this is a spot where I want to be off of Nick Chubb at the same time on a three-game slate. The ceiling is there, right? Like the ceiling is obviously there. And if the field is sort of thinking the way that I'm thinking and everyone wants to play JT and Dalvin Cook, you might have to just game theory it up and play some Nick Chubb. Say matchup doesn't matter with a player of his caliber, which could you know totally see itself to be true. Like you see on the screen, Tampa Bay has a great rush defense. He put up 23 points on them. You know, you get 23, 24, 25 points out of Nick Chubb. He's going to be in the optimal lineup on mm-hmm. a three-game slate. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it's always hard to play Nick Chubb on DraftKings just because he's not going to be a player that catches a ton of passes. I mean. We can see on the screen, he does have three catch games in his range, right? Which is obviously good. Um, but just as many, you know, three catch games, there's the one and the zero catch games, which are honestly, in my opinion, more frequent and more likely for Nick Chubb, especially in a game that the Browns should be winning. So he should see a ton of volume on the ground, in my opinion, um, unless the Browns do go more pass heavy, which they have over the last few weeks uh with Deshaun Watson back I just can't play Nick Chubb on, on DK on a full PPR site I can't do it and I mean if you just scroll through his game log like obviously fading Nick Chubb kind of didn't work out this year but the entire thesis was he needs incredible touchdown variants to hit his ceiling right and if you just take a look through his game log his worst games are when he does not score touchdowns Yep. Right. I mean, you can see it on the screen. Eight, eight, nine. Didn't score a touchdown in that game. Eight. Didn't score a touchdown in that game. Eighteen. Good game, but he didn't score a touchdown. Like, he's a player that needs one, probably two touchdowns for you to really get killed by him. And I'm just willing to bet against that no matter what. No, I mean, especially when you consider him in the same price range as Waddle, Diggs, Hill, Jefferson, Jonathan Taylor, Dalvin Cook. Like, you know, straight up, I like all those guys. It's not a good spot for Chubb. The only, you know, thing I will say before we move on from Chubb is just like, you're also getting a good discount on him. You're getting the Mm -hmm. three game slate trying to bring the casuals and discount on DraftKings. So it's not quite as egregious as playing him at like 8K on DraftKings, I think. But yeah, I mean, I'll probably have Chubb in a lineup or probably in like one lineup um, just to have some exposure, but I'll be fine with a, a full Nick Chubb fade, especially if we're higher on the uh, Watson, you know, doubles in, in the Browns passing game in general. Yeah, definitely the way I want to play it. I mean, I already said, man, I, I like all three of, of the Browns pass catchers here. I think Cooper's a good play if he's healthy. I think DPJ is a great play underpriced at 5,100. And David Njoku was really starting to cook last week in his first game with the Sean Watson, nine targets, caught seven, caught a touchdown, 18 points out of Njoku. They looked like they had some chemistry, 4,200. I don't really think anybody plays Njoku. I think if they're paying up, they're probably paying up for Hawkinson or Andrews. And if not, they're probably punting it off with, you know, Dawson Knox or or one of the Colts guys that we already talked about. So Mm -hmm. he'll be one of my favorite contrarian plays. The real interesting question though, is like, what are we doing with the Ravens side of the ball? I mean, it's disgusting to think about playing if both Lamar Jackson and Huntley miss this game. Yeah. So I would say 
Lamar Jackson is pretty likely to miss. Um, he wasn't at practice on Wednesday. The game is on Saturday, right? And prior, they said it would be a one to two week injury. You know, probably two weeks minimum. So Lamar, he's not playing. Huntley, full participant. So I would expect Huntley to start uh, after suffering a concussion. So if we get Tyler Huntley at quarterback at 5,300, I mean, he's okay. He obviously has the rushing upside that we want, and he does have like the ability to at least keep the games close. But from a skill position standpoint, I mean, I, I feel like they'll just go super run heavy as they did last week. You know, J.K. Dobbins came back, had a great game. J.K. Dobbins is 5,200 on the slate. Gus Edwards saw a little bit more volume than J.K. Dobbins. 13 attempts for Gus the bus. Or, uh, excuse me, J.K. Dobbins had more volume. 15 attempts. Put up 120 in a touch. Gus had 13 I think they'll just lean on those two guys in this spot, um, especially against a run funnel Cleveland defense. So, I mean, are you interested in J.K. or Gus Edwards in tournaments? I mean, frankly, I, I think they're pretty low ceiling options. Um, just really depends on ownership for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they'll be too owned, to be honest. I think that they're interesting. The, the thing is, like, they're definitely not separators. Like, I think that what we saw out of J.K. Dobbins last week was pretty close to his ceiling. Like, obviously, there's just nothing. You're getting absolutely nothing from him as a pass catcher. He has that one four target game early in the year, but, you know, zero targets, zero targets, zero targets in his last three. So, you know, you're kind of looking for the Nick, Nick Chubb sort of, uh, you know, archetype of player there where he has to get there off of, you know, insane efficiency, hitting eight yards per carry, busting off a long touchdown run like he did last week. Um, that being said, I think like the thesis of playing him would be that the rest of the running back pool busts. Cause if JK Dobbins or Gus Edwards gets you 15 and you know, JT Dalvin cook, Nick Chubb, none of them score over 20, then you're sitting great, you know, with JK Dobbins at low ownership, especially if it's in like a corollary piece with a successful Watson stack, I, I would definitely be interested in playing them. Cause I agree with you. I think that everything flows through the run game from the Raven side of the ball here. It's very, very thin, definitely not cash consideration, but from a tournament perspective, if you're playing into Watson stuff, I think that the most sensible bring back is probably one of these running backs. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I kind of might just stay away from the Ravens side of the ball. Like none of the pass catchers really are too interesting besides Mark Andrews. Um, we'll have to see about Mark and Andrews ownership, but 5,700 for a player of Andrews caliber is just too cheap. So he'd be a nice, you know, pay up to be contrarian option at the tight end position, especially if like Hawkinson, Njoku, or a cheap tight end like Dawson Knox gets all of the ownership. And I mean, we've seen Mark Andrews smash with Tyler Huntley. So if Tyler Huntley is starting, um, I, I think that does bode well for Mark Andrews and, he hasn't had a ceiling game in a while, and I think this is a good spot for a ceiling game. So I want to see the ownership first, but if he's not going to be the the highest owned tight end on the slate, I mean, Mark Andrews is clear-cut the tournament play uh, in this game, especially on the Raven side of the ball. No, I could definitely see that. I kind of think he'll probably end up being pretty high owned just because of the price tag, but we'll definitely see on that. It's just been a complete tale of 
two seasons for Mark Andrews, right? Like the first half of the year, he had four games over 20 points in, in the first six. And over the last six, he's had no games over 15 points. And I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, there's been struggles with Lamar Jackson. Now he's out and it's Huntley. Like there's been issues here. I, I wouldn't like say that it's a Mark Andrews specific issue, but then again, there have been some drop concerns over the past couple of weeks. So I don't really know what's going on with Mark Andrews, but when it comes down to it, short slate, $5,700 price tag, he has the highest ceiling of any tight end on the slate. You definitely have to have exposure. Yeah. I mean, if you want to win $1 million, you know, you want to get as much edge as possible, and Mark Andrews provides you that edge, quite mm-hmm. frankly, at the tight end position because he is, in my opinion, I know TJ Hawkinson has that 40-point game, don't come after me, but he is the only tight end on this slate that has the ability to separate from the field in a meaningful way. Um, yep. So if we can hit that ceiling from Mark Andrews, um, you're you're going to need him, to be quite honest. like you're Especially if you're... You know, just playing for a nice sweat, you know, 20 bucks, Millie Maker. Like, if you want a chance at a million, like, Mark Andrews gives you the best edge. So, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Now, for the final game of this slate, the thing that's going to close everything off, it'll be playing around 8.30 p.m. goes till 11. And, and for what it's worth, if you guys are watching this, we'll be doing our live stream towards the end of this game goes live 10 p.m. Eastern. So hopefully we'll be sitting here sweating as we discuss <laughs> things for the main slate. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Tune in to that. This game, Joey, should be or should have been the game of of the slate clear cut it got flexed it wasn't even originally on this saturday slate they flexed it because it was supposed to be a shootout between buffalo and miami in buffalo bills are seven point favorites right now 43 and a half total now the thing with this game that is sort of making it you know dicey i guess is the weather right buffalo weather december you know what the story is it's supposed to be snowing Prior to the game, it's supposed to be snowing. During the game, the total dropped four points since open. Originally, it dropped five points, but it's been bet up another point. So 43 and a half is where we sit right now. Bills are, like I said, a full touchdown favorite here. What are your thoughts on this? I know that you were firing off some tweets earlier about Mm -hmm. uh, weather in general being overrated in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, um, Somebody posted a bet, you know, saying weather, blah, blah, I'm going to take the under 42, blah, blah. You know, first of all, you're getting in at a bad number at 42, period. Open at 47. So I don't know how you can live with yourself knowing you got it in that bad. I would just stay away personally. Um, But nonetheless, that total has rose one and a half points. It's back up to 43 and a half. And weather just in general is very overrated unless it's in, you know, really extreme conditions. So the first bills game against the Browns, like that's an extreme condition. There was eight feet of snow. There's going to be three inches of snow, three inches now. Okay. Three inches is a lot. Unless you're from Buffalo. (laughs) You didn't get the joke. Oh, I got it. (laughs) See, I, I shouldn't have to explain the joke. Now it's ruined. Yeah. Well, hopefully the people got it. I, I think they did. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, there, there's going to be one to three inches of snow, mild winds, pretty much a standard day in upstate New York. And if anybody's watching, 
Ben and I are from upstate New York. We live right outside of Buffalo, like 40 minutes away, 45 minutes away. Um, that's a fucking standard day here. Like, yeah, it's not, it's nothing to get too scared over. So if we're going to get overreactions from the weather people and we're going to get these players at lower ownerships, I mean, this is just a clear cut spot to capitalize on, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, that's just how I feel about it. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that the the bigger concern, right, is like this Dolphins offense is going through a cold streak right now. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. They were, you know, from week eight to week 12, they had four straight games putting up 30 plus like they were an absolute powerhouse offense in the NFL. I, I was getting ready to fire off some potential long shot Super Bowl bets for the Dolphins. And over the past two weeks, 17 points, they lose to Brock Purdy last week, 17 points. They underperform in a massive primetime spot against the Chargers. You know, I, I don't think this offense is broken. Obviously, you know, Tua is is struggling right now, but Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, they have the pieces to clearly overcome. I think that the coaching is very sharp in Miami. Um, it's interesting, man. This is going to really come down to ownership in, in terms of how I played this game. Initially, I kind of thought that the field would be all over this game, but I think weather concerns are going to overblow it. I think it might keep some people off of it, especially on the dolphin side of the ball, which makes things really interesting. I mean, nobody's going to be, you know, fading Josh Allen. That's just not happening. But, yeah. you know, if the dolphin stuff comes in contrarian, that could be a huge edge this week, really. Yeah, I mean... Totally. They've shown us that they're willing to go pass heavy, right? Jeff Wilson is hurt. He's most likely out for this game. Raheem Mostert should be the only, you know, capable back, I should say, for the Dolphins now. And I think we see another pass heavy approach, to be quite honest. I mean, I don't see any reason why they are going to change it up now and become a run first team. Um, especially after losing Jeff Wilson. And I think the way that you could beat the Bills is through the air. The Bills right now are the third worst team against opposing wide receivers, mm. um, which definitely bodes well for the Dolphins guys. Obviously, they haven't given up that much in terms of fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks, but the wide receivers can definitely still eat without Tua getting there necessarily. And I mean, the, the Dolphins have been struggling, but I would expect them to get it figured out. This is a huge divisional matchup. Like I said, the weather, in my opinion, is getting a little bit overblown. I think this game could still easily go over its total. But I, I will say the concern for me is a warm weather team playing in the cold. I think that there is some merit to that specific trend, let's say. Mm -hmm. I, I think there is merit to these teams that are you know more familiar with warm weather and playing in favorable conditions going into these northern the going into these northeastern you know stadiums and underperforming um i don't obviously don't have the statistical information to back that up but i, I think that's true um mm -hmm. especially in december like these miami cats like brother they're, they're not ready even it like even if I think like the weather's not that important, like it, it should still impact the dolphin side, especially because like we're used to that shit. Like we go out, we walk outside, like this is a normal fucking day for us. 
Yeah, bro. I mean, we were outside playing ping pong in 20 degree weather earlier. Yeah. Like, Literally outside. <laughs> and, and we're used to that shit. Yeah. That's the thing. They're not. So I definitely think there is some merit to that. And um, for that reason, I probably wouldn't play Tua. But I think the wide receivers can still get there, especially if they're low owned. Like, I don't think anybody's going to play Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, two of the highest upside wide receivers on the slate. So those are some of my favorite contrarian plays. I mean, Josh Allen, the digs is arguably the best stack on the slate. I mean, not arguably it is in my opinion. Um, so I'm definitely going to probably be overweight the field on this game and on the pass catcher specifically. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you talked about Justin Jefferson, you know, potentially being the first wide receiver to go for 2000 yards, you know, Tyreek Hill is not that far off. He's at 1460 right right now. And I mean, he's got, let's see, scroll through the game log here. 146, 143, 188, 177, 160, 190. I mean, Jesus Christ. He, he's a game like that away from being on pace. And it's obviously in his range. It looks like half of the games this season, he's going for like 140 plus. So, you know, Tyreek Hill, obviously, you know, Bills fans know this better than anyone. Like he he's had the Buffalo Bills number, you know, going back to his time. Except for this in Kansas season. City. Yeah, not, not this season in that one game. Um, but prior to that, Tyreek Hill was the Buffalo Bills killer. And, and I think that, you know, he can obviously channel that in this spot. If we get him at an ownership discount, I would be significantly more interested in playing Tyreek Hill than Justin Jefferson. I'll just say that right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. And a lot of the players in this game's projections are not that great just because I think, um, like, the team totals are being factored in. I think weather is being factored in a little bit. And I, I definitely think, like, Tyreek Hill is still Tyreek Hill. And the matchup on paper is not as bad as people might think. So at 9K, he's definitely going to be a nice contrarian piece. And, I mean, you could run – realistically like a Josh Allen double maybe you go too cheap Bills wide receivers I mean Gabe Davis is 5k hasn't had a spike week in years uh it feels like you can go to a cheap Josh Allen double with the Tyree kill bring back I mean if you want to get absolutely insane you go Josh Allen digs with the Tyree kill bring back and try and figure it out from there nobody's going to play that at all yeah no, you um, just you just gotta play shit like Raheem Moster, Alec Pierce, KJ Osborne to make it work. But fuck it, right? Yeah, I mean you could go cheap defense, right? Cheap tight end, Alec Pierce, cheap, and boom, you you got a little bit of salary right there to work with. And I mean, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Dolphin stuff, but like like you said, like cheap Bill stuff could easily be in play here. I mean, it feels like, uh, you know, on all these short slates, we tend to get the Bills, and it seems like it's always a cheap Bills wide receiver. Most recently on Thanksgiving, Isaiah McKenzie was a slate winner. Yep, but it just sucks, man. We don't we don't got the fucking short slate king in the mm-hmm. player pool. No, no, he's not gonna play though, right? Bees? I mean, maybe. Yeah. If he's if he stayed ready, I mean, he knows the offense. He does know the offense. It hasn't changed much. I mean, he does, that he doesn't need like time to prepare and shit. As long as like if he's in football shape, like I don't see why he couldn't play. But doesn't matter. He's not on the slate. I mean, um, I mean, what are the Bills doing though? Just just for a second, like, what are the Bills doing? Why are they bringing John Brown and Cole Beasley back? Like, I'm confused. You might well, as well bring Emmanuel Sanders back too while you're at it. Bro, I mean, Cole Beasley 
the unvaccinated king. Yeah. Why Hip-hop, not the the best rapper in uh in yeah, the NFL? Best rapper in the NFL by far. <laughs> Got to bring him back. Maybe he does play, and that kind of impacts the the touches of like the ancillary guys. I mean, we'll have to see about that. Um, but as it stands right now, I mean, the, these Bills wide receivers are kind of cheap. Gabe Davis is five K. Like I said, I mean, haven't seen the ceiling game from Gabe Davis in years. Um, definitely. A disgusting play, uh, but the the ceiling is there, as we all know. Isaiah McKenzie looks good. Dawson Knox might have a little bit of ownership at thirty nine hundred, coming off of a seven target game. Um, I don't yeah. know. Do you, I mean, yeah. Dolphins also give up the third most fantasy points to tight end. I think I think Knox is pretty interesting. He's not projecting well. You know, I kind of like when I opened up this slate, I thought that he would be like the chalkiest tight end on the slate. If projections are off of him, I would totally play uh, Dawson Knox at, at a high clip. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind Dawson Knox. I mean, for me, tight end is really just going to be like a position where I, I'm just going to fade the chalk and get leverage there that way. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I mean, Josh is the the cash quarterback now. Yeah, I mean, in, in cash, you're playing Josh Allen. Um, you're playing the two expensive running backs in, in Dalvin and uh, Jonathan Taylor. And then you're playing a, a lot of the value plays that we discussed, like Michael Pittman. Um, even Raheem Mostert's in there, who's 5,300, should have the backfield to himself. I mean, one of the cheap Colts guys might end up in the optimal, like Paris Campbell or Alec Pierce. I think DPJ is probably in the cash game consideration at 5,100. Yeah. Um, we didn't really talk much about him, but DPJ is a very, very good play on this slate. So, yeah, that, that that's pretty much the cash game construct, construction. But personally... I stay away from cash on on these uh, three game slates. Think nah, they're just yeah. I'm just, just to better have fun. tournament slates. You know, I want to have fun. I gotta I have, have fun, fun on these three game slates, man. I'll I'll grind my cock off playing cash on on the Sunday main slate, but gotta but have sa- fun. Saturdays are for fun, man. Saturdays are for fun. Saturdays right. are for the boys. Give me your rankings right now: Steph Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson. I mean, I'd go Diggs one, Tyreek two, JJ three. Yeah, I would have Tyreek one, Diggs two, JJ three. I think but... Diggs is the best wide receiver play on the slate. Really? Yeah. Really? I mean, you if you think that, you got to smash his line on prize picks. It's like 67 and a half. Oh, uh, dead ass. Swear to God. That's way too low. It was like 84 and a half, and it got bumped because of the weather stuff and like the total dropped. But last I looked, um, oh my it was God. like 67 and a half. His line is 67 and a half. What are we doing here? Yeah, you might, you might as well lock that in right now. Yeah, I mean, he went seven for 74 against Miami in week three. So not a great game, but I mean, God, I mean, 67 and a half, no matter the weather, is just way too low for Dicks. Way, way, way too low. And it's not even going to snow that much. Like, if you're watching this, like, it's snowing one to three inches. Like, that's, that's like, three inches is like that. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be over the course of the entire game. It's not going to just three inches of snow just <laughs> fall in a whole fucking field of snow. Like, and, mean, the, and the fields, like, are heated and shit. Like, there will be no snow on that field. I guarantee it that's so funny i i mean if you're right then this game is going to be huge leverage um yeah man i mean 
think we've pretty much talked yeah. about anything unless you, you know, are interested in like, I mean, I know you're not interested in Devin Singletary. I won't even ask, but what about James Cook? I mean, nah, I'm staying away from Bill's running backs. No, I, I think it could be a little, little flop lag situation. Everybody thought they were going to galaxy brain themselves onto James Cook last week. And, you know, he yeah. finished with like six yards rushing and, you know, a catch. So just too split. Yeah very split and i mean they're even getting heinz worked in now so that's it's just tough all right that's about it for us here i think right i covered everything that needs to be covered if you guys want to you know learn if you guys want to learn everything you got to know about this main slate on sunday you can check out our podcast we did an early week preview you can find the link to that in the show notes to this video we also will be on Saturday night, like I said, 10 p.m. Eastern, live stream talking through all of the best plays and tournament strategy, hopefully sweating some tournaments for this Saturday slate. Yeah, that's that's the hope. That's going to be the vibe. If you're new to the channel, man, make sure you drop a, a like, subscribe, and until next time, we'll catch you guys on Saturday. Have a great rest of your day.